Welcome to OnAmp. Oh no, not another marketing podcast. I'm your host, Will Davis. I'm the Chief Marketing Technology Officer and co-founder at RightSource with over 20 years experience in the marketing space. On this podcast, we'll cover everything from strategy to content to MarTech platforms and everything in between. You'll hear honest talk about successes and failures with our guests, plenty of analogies, maybe a couple jokes, and a lot of data points along the way. It's what makes the role unique and kind of actually hard to find because you're looking for a combination of an introvert and extrovert. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because and you want the introvert part, the analytical part, and you want the extrovert part, it's the communications part because you have to work across buying committees and you have to work across different stakeholders within your organization. So it's really a key in trying to find those two things together is what makes filling the role very difficult, not the technology background. With me today is Moni Oluide, a marketing operations manager with Fidelis Cybersecurity. Uh, Moni, I always like to kind of explore something interesting and unique about folks as we introduce them. And uh, just before we started recording, you mentioned that you are uh, half African and half American. True African-American in its proper sense. (laughs) And so you said uh, your dad is from Nigeria? My dad's Nigerian, and uh, my mother is actually, uh, our grandparents are from North Carolina, but she grew up here in in D.C. proper. Okay, in the D.C. proper. And then you uh, told me earlier you identify as a Baltimore person. So I would say a Marylander. A Marylander, uh, okay. In the technical sense. Uh, I went to school in Baltimore. I did my undergrad at UMBC, and I did my graduate at Johns Hopkins. So I have Baltimore roots for sure. We're only a year removed from some exciting uh, UMBC sports action, too. I mean, I know there's other exciting sports action going on, but that one's really natural stage. We'll hold on to that for the rest of our lives, okay? (laughs) That's that's not a year out. That's forever, okay? History making. History making, exactly. Cool. So um, tell me a little bit about yourself. Your background in marketing is really interesting. I mean, as I introduced it, a marketing operations person now, but you came up through kind of a more traditional marketing background. Exactly. Yep. So right out of uh, UMBC, actually, I got a job at um, Sourcefire, which is a cybersecurity company. Recently got bought up by Cisco a few years ago and started out in their marketing department as a marketing coordinator. And that's typically where most people start in their marketing journey. And that's true for me too, as well. And I did that for a couple of years. And then um, I actually moved over to doing some kind of just basic data management for them uh, in their marketing automation platform, which was Eloqua at the time. And the person who was running Running their Eloqua actually um, decided to leave and take another position, and I was the only person at the company who even logged in. (laughs) (laughs) So they're like, do you want to do this? And I was like, "Uh, sure, why not? Not knowing anything about how much of a behemoth Eloqua actually was. So like, to be my first marketing automation platform and not knowing anything about anything, it's like, here's Eloqua, go (laughs) do it. Uh, So I did. I like went and dug in and figured it out and made a lot of mistakes, but learned a lot. Uh, and that company actually ended up switching from Eloqua to Marketo, uh, which was a huge deal at the time. Um, so I ended up having these two major plat- marketing automation platforms under my belt as far as being a power user of both of them. So that made me very attractive to like consulting companies and agencies and things like that. So I was heavily recruited uh, and did, did consulting for a while. And again, 
massive learning opportunity. I got to see different uh, environments and different um, kind of companies, B2B, B2C, uh, small, medium, large, kind of all over the place, different type of programs. So the learning was vast and I would never trade that experience for anything in the world. But just kind of got burnt out on the travel and it was very grueling kind of work. So I decided to come back in-house and there we go. I learned Exact Target, learned HubSpot, learned all these kind of different marketing automation tools and here I am today. So if not for that one person uh, leaving Sourcefire at the time, your path could have been completely different maybe. Completely different. Actually, Sourcefire has a lineage of like popular local marketing automation uh, girls who come out of there and have done great things. Uh, Karen Pendle, uh, Jennifer Talcott, uh, so, and myself. So they've actually homegrown a lot of you know great marketing automation professionals in the D.C. area. So. A strong alumni club, as we exactly. like to refer to it. Yeah. We should start something, actually. That's great. So um, you talked about some of your experiences on the consulting side. I always feel like that's a really interesting background for people to jump into and a job for people to jump into that really um, drives you into learning a lot of different things very quickly. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, like I just said, you just get to see kind of different organizations in different environments. And as much as companies think that their so, their issues are so unique, you learn they're not. Like everybody has the same problems across the board. Right? <laughs> Everyone thinks they're so different and their problems are so unique to them. And you're like, no, everybody's struggling with leads. Everyone's struggling with internal politics. Everyone's struggling with process and operations like it's across the board. So, um, yeah, but the, the pace of it is very, very quick. Um, and um, the, the different types of learnings that you get, um, not just the, on the business side, but on people management and kind of like just how different organizations run internally. So it's just a good business kind of learning on, on top of just doing like technical in, in your, your day-to-day kind of consulting job as well. So. Yeah, it's funny as you talked about it. Um, we, we often think about our clients have challenges we've seen before, mm-hmm. but they're still really important. It's still really special, oh, yeah. right? You know, it's like yeah. we've seen this before, but it's still valuable. You know, it doesn't, right. doesn't demean the problem you're having. Right. It just means you're not the only one who has this problem, exactly. which is sometimes reassuring. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. They found a comfort in that as too as well. And, you know, as being like a consultant, like your part therapist. <laughs> you know what I yes, mean? Like, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. as, okay. You know, I always joke your job is sort of like 60% therapist, right. uh, 20% marketing consultant, 20% all sorts of other stuff. Oh yeah, exactly. Grab bag of other things. percent. <laughs> But it's good. I mean, that was the best part. That's what I loved about the most. The clients are the best. They really are. It's like, you know, some kind of be tough and demanding or whatever. But once you actually complete a project and see it to some success and see them be successful too as well, it's the most rewarding part. Mm-hmm. So going through that, um, you know, been on, on the in-house side, then going out to agencies and coming back in-house, mm-hmm. um, you've largely been focused on technology companies. Mm-hmm. Has that been intentional? Has that just sort of been where things led? It's sort of been where things led because the technology companies kind of are on the forefront of technology. So they see the use of a mm-hmm. marketing automation platform or some of these mm-hmm. other tools more than some other companies or other industries. So it's kind of been just happening stance, but um, it's now, now I would say if you asked me if I was looking for another opportunity, which I'm not, 
Um, but if uh, if I were, I would I would focus on technology just because of the advancement of the strategy too as well. Like yeah, I always want to. A lot of us just want to keep learning and keep growing within our roles. We don't want to do the same thing over and over again. I feel especially that's true for marketing operation professionals. Like we want to be challenged and like what's the new program, what's the new hot thing or the new tool or something like that. Um, and you kind of get that in the technology industry where some industries are a little lagging behind and you gotta kind of slow go with them as, as, much, as slow as slowly mm -hmm. as they go so. get drag everyone along with you exactly. instead of really being pushed sort yeah. of make these arguments that you wouldn't have to make in a, in a technology company they kind of get it you know so you brought something up interesting about going with new technology and um as we kind of go in our daily lives, we run into all these new platforms and new verticals and new kind of, you know, there's a whole new Gartner magic quadrant for something mm -hmm. that wasn't even a quadrant two years ago. Yep. Um, what's on your radar? What are some of the new uh, industries, new areas, new technologies that you're keeping an eye on? So it's a good question. I mean, I know ABM is hot right now. I think it's going to continue to be hot. But what I'm really actually focused on is data. Uh, I've been for the last couple of years and more like uh, CDPs or data management platforms, I think are going to be huge coming up um, just because it's going to be to make any of the things in marketing automation work, campaigns, programs, the technology, it comes down to the data and how good it is. So none of it works if the data is bad or dirty. So I think that is going to have to be a focus and continued focus for marketing professionals moving forward. And I think that's that's going to be a thing. So that's what I'm focused on. So right now we're working with a company to merge our mainly our, our marketing automation data and our CRM data together to kind of get a more complete view of the customer profile and then make decisions based off of that. So. Wait, they're not perfect already? Not even oh, close. Oh, so disappointed. Not even close. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, people on my team are going to be probably cheering at your identification of data mm -hmm. as, you know, one of the big areas that's that's growing and really almost everyone's data needs to go through that next step and really get synchronized, get improved, um, really kind of clean up a lot of what's out there. Yeah, the processes around data, just it just has to be there. And, and a big issue that I think people are actually focusing on outside data a little too much, right? You want to augment our data to, to look for that complete view when really you probably have most of the information you need in-house. You just don't have a good way of looking at it or analyzing it. Um, so I think people my advice to people would be kind of like start with your own data your mm -hmm. in-house data proprietary data you know analyze that and try to augment and, and mend that as much as you can and clean that up as much as you can and then based on your goals as far as your data then go outside and try to augment it with a third party but I feel like people are just buying all these lists and trying to get all this intent data and all this other data without having a goal of what they're actually trying to do with it and it just dirties up your data 10 times more than you you need it to. So. It's sort of that mentality of, you know, the one who dies with the most data wins. But exactly. if, if you don't have a use for the data or you're not even sure how accurate your own data may be and you right. went out and got other stuff, now you're just polluting the pool even more. Exactly. And you're assuming that these companies have clean data and they don't eat right. <laughs> Like their data is as dirty as your data. Like I love, I don't want to name names. I'm thinking we all know these tools mm -hmm. and even some of the bigger ones, you know, as big as they get and more. But they're old data. What? I don't figure what the recension rate of is like it gets dirtier by the week, minute, hour, second, you mm -hmm. know, whatever. It's true for these big companies too as well. I mean, they get it and person leaves or changes their email address or changes their address and it's no longer valid. How would, how would they know? And you're buying that. So, you know what I mean? Like work with your own data, see what you can get out of that and then augment if you need to. 
Good advice. So uh, shifting gears for a minute, as I introduced you as a marketing operations person, uh, for some of our listeners, they may not even know what that entails, or may they may think they know what yeah. that entails, but may not be 100% accurate. I mean, this is a role that didn't exist five, six, seven years ago, yeah. and now is probably a critical linchpin in so many different organizations. So uh, with that big a buildup, uh, you know, what does a marketing operations professional do? And, yeah. you know, how does how does a given day look for someone like I that? I mean, it's crazy well that you even asked that question because I feel like I've done the same job for a decade, but the title has changed <laughs> every year that I've gotten a new, <laughs> new job. Uh, now it's settled on operations like specialists and technologists and this thing and that thing and digital marketing and demand gen and, like, all of these kind of uh, specialties in marketing are rolled up into this operations kind of uh, role. Uh, I used to think it the center of the operations role was the technology, but obviously quickly it's moved on to the process, right? It's like you are the hub of marketing's processes, and that's how I see it. Like how your organization runs is your as your department of marketing runs is set by the operations person and that's a and it's a legacy thing anybody who's uh either dealt with the person who is run the marketing automation system and they've left and someone knows news comes along you you inherited their processes the way that they've done done things and that may be right or wrong or indifferent or not it's just like that person has a lot of power of setting up like how your leads flow and who gets what and how it gets assigned and that's powerful stuff like that's key to how your organization runs and somebody who doesn't know what they're doing may have set that up some consultant may have set that up someone who does know what they're doing but like stopped halfway through the process like there's so much that kind of mm -hmm. goes into the role um and i'm seeing it I mean, at my job current right now, like, so we have a web developer, I have a content person, I have a, um, a programs manager, um, and I have an events person, and all of those roles heavily incorporate what I do. So I, they can't do their jobs without me, like, <laughs> mm -hmm. to a certain extent. So it's kind of like the center of excellence for a marketing department is the operations person. Because um, anything that touches a lead, I have to be involved with. Anything outgoing campaign-wise, I'm involved with. Anything that has to deal with sales and the sales process, I have to know about and touch. So it's like I'm touching every part of marketing and their jobs. And I'm correlating their success, right? Because I now I also do analytics. So I'm telling them the results of what they're doing campaign-wise, website-wise, content-wise. They need to come to me to say, did this work or not? So I'm touching every part of the marketing department in the center of that cog. So it's now become like a key role within a marketing organization. If you don't have an operations person or someone responsible for that, I don't know how you're functioning as an organization. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you were talking about things like lead flow, right? And maybe leads are flowing the way it was set up years ago. Mm -hmm. And and whether someone knew what they were doing or not, I mean, the business is probably not operating the same way it did years ago. Exactly. So, These things uh, evolve. They're living, breathing things. Like people, you just don't set it and forget it. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it's really a critical position. It's interesting to me how many companies, maybe they're operating with operating <laughs> operating with a marketing operations function in a different title mm -hmm. or they're blending that across a few different jobs. Yep. Um, you know, one of the things I was seeing last week, uh, somewhere I was, was people talking about marketing ops. Is it a marketing function or a technology function mm. and sort of reporting through the marketing organization or reporting through, 
uh, you know, the CIO mm. and the technology organization. Interesting. I don't know your perspective. I think uh, I know your perspective on that. It's a marketing <laughs> function. Technology is just a tool, man. If you don't have the processes around it, none of these technologies will work. I think anybody who's seen it deals with technology on day to day knows that it's just a tool, but it's the process around it that really make it sing. So yeah, I'm on the, the marketing side, not the technology side. For You're sure. on the marketing team. Yeah. Yep. And how do you, um, work with roles like IT and things like governance and mm -hmm. things like technology selection, procurement, how does that uh, tend to work where marketing operations kind of interfaces across those channels, even if you're not directly kind of reporting to IT or, or for that matter, sales, right? Yeah. Since you're handling lead flow. A thousand percent. I was just going to say kind of the hierarchy depends on the department I'm dealing with. Uh, being at a cybersecurity company, IT is going to trump whatever I want to do every single time. Right, right. Right? I got no governance <laughs> whatsoever. I'm completely at their mercy. But with sales, I have a little bit more influence because they're a little less knowledgeable about technology in the process. Uh, so it kind of depends. Um, and with the IT, uh, like I said, it, it, I'm completely kind of relying on, on, on them to kind of dictate, you know, what they will and will not allow and what the parameters of it are, um, for sure. Um, when it comes like, for example, we have a sales loft, which is a, um, a sales kind of, uh, sales calling and emailing, mm -hmm. uh, tool. Um, but the marketing department, me, I, from operation standpoint, I manage the platform for them. I have complete kind of say over kind of how that process works, even though that's a sales tool and I'm not in it day to day. I just manage the admin part of it. You know, I have governance over that. But if it was some IT function, no, it's like, this is how you're going to use this. This is how it's going to work mm -hmm. <laughs> completely. So it depends on the department you're working with. So what about something like CRM? Where does that sit? Yeah. Uh, so we have Salesforce and I think Salesforce should be the database of record. Uh, the problem with that is not everybody who's inputting data into Salesforce thinks the way that an operations person thinks. So the data that they input is not correct or not following processes. So it doesn't always end up being a clean database of record for many reasons. But in my personal opinion, that's what it should be. So we've talked about the kind of vital role of marketing operations, whatever it's named in different organizations, uh, how you interface with sales, how you interface with uh, technology teams. Mm -hmm. How are you measured? How does someone measure marketing ops? I mean, it's a good question. So right now, I think most people would say and how we're actually measured is on revenue. But I would uh, fight back and I do try to fight back that that's not really a fair measurement of marketing and marketing operations or marketing in general, to be honest with you, because we have no control over a closed business. That's sales shop. Now, revenue generation. OK, I can give you that. Um, but the issue with that, too, is especially in my businesses, a lot of campaigns and programs take time to show results. So at what time are you evaluating the success or failure of a marketing program? Um, our sales cycle currently is nine to 12 months. So if I'm looking at the success of a campaign quarterly, that's not the fair way to look at it. Um, and then we have a long kind of, we have a long sales cycle. We have a big buying committee. It's an enterprise sale. So there are multiple people involved. It's a large price point, you know, like how should we be looking at these things? I actually just did an exercise because we are trying to go down the road of doing, um, attribution and attribution modeling. Mm -hmm. So just did an exercise where we mapped out, took a couple of opportunities and mapped out our buyer's journey of those opportunities. 
And as you would think, it's all over the place, right? Yeah, one, yeah. one of my prime examples is we got a um, a lead from a trade show. That lead referenced us to his boss within the organization. That guy did a couple of webinars. We put him in a nurture. He responded to a nurture email of that. They got a meeting, so they created an opportunity. But then he went dark. But then he downloaded a white paper, and then he came back, and they reached back out to him. It's like, yes, this is all over, the place. and this is over like again <laughs> a year plus. So what? if you can just model that behavior for everyone. Easy. How can serious decisions not figure this out? Like, I don't get it. Um, so, yeah, it's it's not linear. It's up and down and back and forth, and that's typical. And trying to actually map that out in a data and a chart is hard and probably not going to happen, but that's what people want to see, right? The C-level wants to see a chart of something. I don't know how to put that in a chart yet. If mm -hmm. anyone's figured it out, let me know. Uh, <laughs> but that's the struggle right now. So with all that said in the marketing ops role, everything from how are you measured to what are the different responsibilities, um, what's that skill set look like when companies are looking to hire for marketing operations? Yeah, I don't know if it's like tactical skills. Like I ne don't necessarily think you should be looking for, does this person know Marketo or know this tool or something like that? I think it's a combination of kind of like analytical, I think is mm -hmm. a key uh, kind of attribute of someone of this role. I think flexible, you know what I mean, uh, is a key of someone in this role just because businesses and processes change all the time and they're fast moving and you have to be agile. So someone who's not really stuck in their ways, someone's very flexible, uh, someone who can communicate very well uh, is very important. So like those soft skills I think are important. I think you can kind of not teach anybody the tool, but I think that's not the driver of the kind of thing that you should be looking for for this type of role. You can teach people the tool. It's not that hard. I think that's really interesting when you hit on communicator. Uh, you and mm -hmm. I have known each other a while, mm -hmm. um, and that's something that really sticks out to me as one of your amazing attributes. Mm -hmm. But I don't think people typically think of operations roles and communication mm -hmm. as, you know, as a critical uh, portion of that. Right. But that really is, you know, as you've talked about, where you see success, it is being able to bridge those gaps, being able to build those relationships and being yeah. able to communicate. It's what makes the role unique and kind of actually hard to find because you're looking for a combination of an introvert and extrovert. Mm -hmm. uh, and because and you want the introvert part, the analytical part, and you want the extrovert part, it's the communications part because you have to work across buying committees and you have to work across different stakeholders within your organization. So it's really a key in trying to find those two things together is what makes filling the role very difficult, not the technology background. It's the uh, ambivert, as Daniel Pink refers to. I don't know if you've ever... Uh, no. Yeah, that's, I'll, I'll give you a copy of that book okay, later. Okay, <laughs> I'll take it. So um, we've talked really very little about technology, mm -hmm. um, but let's dive in there a little bit. Okay. What, what are, does your current marketing technology stack look like? And My stack, what did you, yeah. what role did you have in selecting those tools? And you, I'm sure, inherited some as well. Actually, uh, I got to build my own stacks. I didn't have much nice. coming into it. I started with Marketo and Salesforce, and that was basically it. Um, actually, uh, there's a local uh, event here uh, in the D.C. area called Martech Magnified, and I spoke there this year, and I spoke there last year on my stack, and I wish I had the slide of my stack uh, visually for you guys to see, but it was basically like three, th <laughs> three things. I didn't really have much uh, to go on, so I actually got, got the opportunity to build my own stack, which has been cool. Um, so our stack is uh, the typical core, so obviously we have Marketo as our marketing automation and Salesforce as our CRM. 
Um, I was able to bring in a, a tool called Bright Info for uh, the pop-ups on our website. I know pop-ups has been kind of very controversial as you know of late as a tool. People think they're kind of intrusive. I like them. I think they actually work as a mm -hmm. kind of dimension tool. So I'm a pro pop-up person. So I brought that in. Pro pop-ups. Yeah, pro <laughs> pop-ups. Uh, because uh, just to veer off the stack just a little bit, the, the reason why I like them is because. The more that you can engage people on your own website, the more success you're going to have with them. So um, that's one of the things. Uh, Chatbot is another thing that's very kind of successful. Like anything, all the tools that you can do while they're on your site and engage, mm -hmm. get them engaged is what's going to be most successful. I have uh, Bright Info as our pop-ups. Uh, we have Wistia uh, as our video hosting and analytics tool. Um, we have a tool called CaliberMine, which we are using as a, uh, a CDP or a customer data platform that merges our Marketo and our Salesforce data together to get a more unique singular view of our customer. Um, so we're doing that. We are trying to add on an ABM platform, TBD on that one, but but um, Q2 this year. Uh, now your phone's going to start ringing. I know. Why did I just do that to myself? <laughs> uh, but we're far along the process. We narrowed it down to two vendors. So uh, we'll see where we're going to go with that one. Um, but if, and if we don't go to ABM, then we're definitely going to do some type of uh, uh, online advertising for sure. Um, obviously, we have Google Analytics as our analytics tool. That's, you know, pretty basic. Um, and uh, there's a bunch of other kind of small little niches too, but that's the core. That's kind of the heart of our, our stack right there. Great. Um, shifting gears a bit, you and I have spoken in the past about some of your uh, successful marketing programs. You mentioned MarTech Magnified, mm -hmm. where I got to see you present on some of your successful programs. Mm -hmm. um, talk to us a little bit about those and kind of the genesis of the programs and um, what made them stand out, what made them effective, particularly as you already identified you know, long sales cycles, large buying committees, mm -hmm. you know, things that feel like it may be hard to demonstrate success. So yeah. how did you come up with the ideas? Um, and then how did they get into market? I would say like just in general, anything that I've done from a programmatic or campaign standpoint that's worked has been stacked on top of each other. So it's not in a silo. So like some some people will do like, oh, I did this online advertising campaign, and then I did this content syndication thing, and then I did this white paper, and then I got a blog over here, and it's all siloed campaigns, and mm -hmm. you try to evaluate which one is successful, and none of them really are because it doesn't work like that. <laughs> um, so anything that I've done that is successful has been programmatic and actually thought into in how do I bring someone from either this one point to the next point to the next point to get them to whatever the goal is. And the goal can be different and that dictates the success of the program right i think that's the key to any type of program i start with the goal and work backwards and i challenge my cmos every time to define a goal that is not revenue that's the other key too as well it's like i don't have any control over that so give mm -hmm. me something else i'll take mqls i'll take a conversion rate i'll take account penetration for abm or you know some give me another metric to work off of that's not just revenue because of thousand things can go into the successful program that doesn't result in revenue, mm -hmm. right? So we can say, if I got a content syndication program and I got 20,000 downloads, but no revenue, is it success? Yes or no. It depends on what the goal of what I was trying to do is. So that's why defining the goal is critical to the program. So I always try to kind of establish that first and then work backwards. One of the things that, um, we are working on right now is a basic competitive takeout campaign. Um, and, uh, in developing that 
our programs, because not a campaign is going to have multiple steps to it. But developing that program, um, I was challenging my CMO to be like, okay, so what's the goal of this? And he was challenging me, like, oh, revenue. And da-da-da. I'm like, no, 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 let's back this up. Is it meetings? If we get enough meetings, is that good enough? If I get MQLs out of that, is that good enough? If I improve the conversion rate or engagement rate, is that good enough? You pick one of these metrics to say this is the success of the program or not. Because, again, I don't have any control over those revenue things. Mm-hmm. So I need to come up with another metric to define success here. And then based on what you tell me, I'm going to work backwards. So if it's meetings, then I'm going to set my program up to get meetings, right? That's a very different goal of getting engagement or conversion of the engagement, right? So if my goal is conversion of the engagement, then I'm going to put a bunch of content gates in, in this campaign over a series of emails or ads or whatever it is to get you to engage in the content and get the conversion of that. If it's meetings, then I'm gonna have a whole subset of this program be a, a campaign around sales in order to have sales nurture to get you meetings. See how my program changes based on the goals? Mm-hmm. So it's like, let's establish what that is and then we work backwards from there. So any program that I have, that's how I started. Um, a couple of successful ones I did, I'll talk about the one from MarTech Magnified, where we stacked kind of campaigns on top of each other into a program um, that had a bunch of steps to it. So uh, we did a content syndication program with a company called Tech Target, very popular in the cybersecurity space. Um, And we were getting um, some intent data from them on like, here are the areas of focus that people are interested in when they're downloading your content. And we're like, oh, that's great. We got all this information, we got this intent data and they downloaded our content. That's marketing qualified, send it over to sales, call them right now. And sales will call them and be like, they're not, they don't know anything about us. Like, what are you talking about? Like, don't send, this is a waste of my time. And we're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. They're on a whole nother third party site and don't know anything about us and just engaged in this one thing and may and may not have read it. That makes sense. So we got the leads uh, from Tech Target. We're like, okay, let's put them in a kind of welcome nurture. Let's educate them on who we are, what we do, what our offerings are. That's step one. That was a three-month nurture. Just put them in there. Don't touch them. If they engage, cool. They raise their hand. That's awesome. But if not, just let them ride. All right, they're done with that. And we put them in a secondary, what we call air cover campaign, which is emails that came from sales that was kind of softly asking for a meeting or to be more helpful. Or if you need more information, just let me know, trying to be like a resource for them as well. So that actually worked really well. And we got engagement, you know, to a certain extent in that. And then after we got some engagement for that, it wasn't those people weren't necessarily ready to buy. They got, you know, one to kick tires a little bit. Um, so we ended up doing a direct mail piece for those people who actually did engage after that. And that was very, very successful. So at that point, you're talking about nine months of where they didn't know us at all. And now they're familiar with our sales representatives and they're familiar with our companies and feel much better about having a conversation about our products. And we just got them cold from, you know, a third party site. So very cool. Um, I don't want us to go without asking this question because you and I spoke about it briefly offline. Mm-hmm. Um, what you just made as an example, people didn't even know about you going all the way through to that engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, I think many people now are valuing technology and marketing so high that mm-hmm. maybe they've lost sight of, dare I say, brand. No. Mm-hmm. And as you said, you know, people not knowing who you are. Mm-hmm. And I know that's a topic you're very passionate about. Yes. The fundamentals of marketing. Yes, I think it is lost uh, completely uh, with the focus being on technology and revenue. I think that combination uh, has forced people to kind of miss the foundational parts of marketing, brand, messaging, 
market analysis, you know, four P's, you know, that, those kinds of things. You know, I, you know, I can't make magic out of nothing. If you don't have a brand presence and no messaging, yeah, I'm not, you're not going to get sales. <laughs> right. Like it seems kind of like a dub, but how many companies kind of miss those key fundamentals is shocking out here in the marketplace. Yeah. Yeah, and and yeah, Dove sitting here next to me as the AMA person smiling and nodding along. <laughs> he's definitely uh, definitely agreeing with you. Um, so uh, one last question, I like to ask this of all of our guests: mm-hmm. um, if you could give kind of early career Moni a piece of advice that you have now, uh, what would you tell her? Relax. Um, <laughs> <laughs> relax. Uh, I I very ambitious uh, in my younger years and kind of always wanted to reach this goal that I didn't know what it necessarily was, but when I got there, I would know it. And that's really not the case. I just chilled and relaxed and kicked it and just <laughs> kind of rolled the wave a little bit. I think from a, um, a business standpoint, what I wish I would have told myself is like, this is all malleable and it can change. I think sometimes, especially like I see in young marketing operations people, they think like, once I set up this process, this is the process that's gonna be forever and I can't ever mess it up and it has to be perfect the first time I do it. And it's like, no, like this is gonna change constantly. Like you don't understand, probably by the month this is gonna, somebody's gonna come hit you with something new and you're gonna have to change it. So that's my advice I give to kind of like all marketing ops professionals is it's like, your goal is to not make it perfect. Your actual goal is to make it scalable, right? You gotta give Mm -hmm. yourself enough room within Mm -hmm. the process in order for it to change. So it's like, don't choke hold this and try to make it perfect and get everybody, everybody, what everybody wants in it and get all my stakeholders and make them all happy. It's like, no, 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 no. Make this, you know, a good enough process for right now and make it so that you can be able to change it in the future. Yeah, flexibility and scalability. I mean, earth spins every day. We're all moving constantly and things are constantly changing. All the time. Great, well, thanks so much for joining us today, Moni. Really appreciate it. Thank you, this was fun.